Hello, welcome to the Sharp Angles Podcast. I'm Dan Pazuda, joined here by Rich Rebar. Rich, here we go. End of June, we're, we're getting through it, uh, working our way through uh, putting together the 2022 Sharp Football Preview Book. Uh, that's been a lot of uh, what we've been mm-hmm. doing. Uh, everybody uh, on, on the team here is going through uh, putting a lot of that together. So that is where most of uh, our headspace has been so far. But uh, here we are popping up to uh, make another podcast. So how are we doing today? Doing good. Yeah, the book's right around the corner and July's right around the corner now too. And so, you know, July, once we get there, I mean, it's training camp month. Uh, hopefully everyone gets their last vacations in because once training camps kick off, it feels like that's just like the start of the NFL season because you'll get hard knocks, you'll get preseason football, and then we're just there. The uh, last vacation, uh, like hints that there was a first vacation, and <laughs> well, <laughs> that has not been the case, um, which probably needs to. But we are, let's uh, dive into this because it's, it's still, it, like you said, it's you know that, that middle of the summer type thing or that technically beginning of the summer, but the middle of the really dead period of, of the off season where there's not a lot happening there. We're in between uh, OTAs, mini camps and training camp where we're, we're not getting much actual news. So uh, today we're going to do another, uh, not technically a, a draft because we're not really drafting, but we're going to no. go through in like an all underrated team, uh, which if you probably listen to the show, we've, I'm going to assume there's going to be players on here that we have talked about on the show more than like any other show has, and, and that will pop up again. So uh, we're not completely, you know, uh, plucking the depths of, of people that aren't talked about, uh, but uh, we're going to just go through. So what we have done is uh, we're going to just go through the positions. Um, we're going to do a quarterback, running back, wide receiver, offensive line, defensive line, linebacker, and defensive back, uh, just to, you know, keep it, keep it a little tighter. Uh, yeah. Then if we went like left guard, right we, guard, right, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we we don't need to to be doing that in in the middle of June. So just to, to keep it a little tighter, we're going that. And in our qualifications here, because underrated can mean whatever, and and we will probably you know get into that. But actual qualifications had to be in the league for multiple years and not make a Pro Bowl. Um, so you know, Pro Bowl is. Yeah, it's no, a low what, bar. But. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Especially there's there's times <laughs> when everyone and, and also like actually voted to the Pro Bowl. Like right. we're we're taking that into account. So some of these guys might have made like a as a ninth replacement um as as people are pulled out and don't want to actually attend the Pro Bowl anymore. But like you had to be voted to the Pro Bowl. Um and, and that's the that'll be the qualifications here. So and, and that's it. And then underrated is just kind of whatever we think that yeah. after that, because that's, you know, it's, it's <laughs> late June and this is what our, and this, this is what we're doing. So uh, let's just, we'll just go position by position since we're not, you know, really drafting uh, anything. So Rich, let's start with your quarterback. Yeah. So quarterback is the one where you really have like a tight window here. The other positions will open up uh, because we can't pick rookies. So we can't choose like, you know, Mac Jones or Trevor Lawrence. And, and if you think about guys that have made pro bowls, just about every quarterback in the league has made a pro bowl at some point, you know, Ryan Tannehill's made a pro bowl. We've joked Jameis Winston's been in the pro bowl, been voted to the pro bowl as well. So like we can't, you can't choose Jameis Winston. So uh, I think we're your your window here, and I'm curious to see if you pick or just have the same guy as I do. I think our window is basically down to Tua, Jalen Hurts, uh, and Daniel Jones. <laughs> and I don't think you're going to pick Daniel Jones, but I still think it, if it's since we're, this is not a fantasy show, and we're taking off the fantasy the catch for this show. Uh, I I have to go with Tua. I think over over Jalen Hurts. If I was building a real football team, as much as Jalen Hurts does excite me for what I could do in terms of like his ceiling. I just think still Tua is a better player than he is. Uh, you've written a lot about Tua this offseason. Um, but I still just go back to, like, you know, my quarterback model of him entering the league, which has been really successful. And he was a 99th percentile in career yards for pass attempt, touchdown interception ratio, 96th percentile in completion rate. And those accuracy stats tend to stay really sticky coming over into the NFL. And that's been kind of his one, like, feather in his cap so far, as everyone will acknowledge that, like, Tua is, he protects the football and he's an accurate passer. I still think last year when you look at what Miami had to do offensively, given their offensive line kind of relegating to being like a 50% like RPO offense and just getting the football out of his hands because they couldn't block anybody. 
you know, is almost I, I almost want to throw it out the window. You add Connor Williams, you add Taron Armstead, you add just an entire new regime under Mike McDaniel. You add just an all Madden 99 speed team of Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert, Cedric Wilson, Tyree Kill, to already go with Jalen Waddell, Mike Gusecki, you know, who are leftovers from the previous regime. I definitely believe that we are going to see Tua's eight-out rise this season, uh, and I still believe that you know we're going to see him take another step forward. The question with Tua, obviously, big picture is, is he going to be like a franchise-turning quarterback, or does he fall into that like, you know, I I, I, de- I definitely believe he'll end up better than Jimmy Garoppolo, who people say, well, all he needs to do is be Miami Jimmy G. I believe he's a way better player than, than that till, still in his range of outcomes. But does he become like that franchise, like lid lifter on his own? That is still like the remaining question. Yeah, I mean, that's where I went to. Uh, so he would be my pick uh, for, for this also. And yeah, like you said, so like to get on, so I did write about to a, a lot. Uh, because uh, wrote about him like when the Tyree Kill trade happened, because obviously like he plays a big part in that. But then you know went into you know Tua a little more once the the, the Tua discussion really popped up, and and I think that's why I leaned Tua here because like there has been so much discussion of him this off season, and like it feels like it's it's gone a little too far, right? So like he's and, and part of like what I wrote is you know how you view Tua is so much going to like depend on what your expectations are, right? If you're going to hold him against, you know, Joe Burrow and, and Justin Herbert, then like, yeah, you're, you're setting him up to fail, but like, that's, it's not totally fair to him because he's still a, a good player. Um, so to like, to go back to the offense, like you said, like it was so RPO heavy and there were no throws down the field. And, you know, some of that was probably due to Tua. Some of that I think was the offensive staff didn't, really know what to do uh, and and some of it was just protecting everything in that offense because of that offensive line which was you know very bad um so when, when you look at it like if you need a quarterback who is not going to win with arm strength and like to his arm is is fine and we've talked about this for like some other quarterbacks too but like that's been a big talking point with Tua. oh he, he can't throw deep because he doesn't have the arm like that's not necessarily the case uh but if you are going to you know, not have the strongest arm, right? You're not going to have that rocket that we see like all these quarterbacks that are coming in the league with now and, and the guys that are that are getting hyped up and really, you know, taking over. Like you either have to have that that processing or or that accuracy. And, and Tua has that, right? Like for as ugly as that offense was, and, and we have mentioned how ugly that was, like that offense should have been way worse, than it was right it shouldn't have been like just below average like Tua was able to make that offense work and like we could use work liberally here um right because it still wasn't great but like the way that offense was set up like that should have been probably the worst offense in the league but Tua had the accuracy to like make some of those quick read uh RPO throws work and that's kind of why it was able to you know be okay right It, it was ugly but no like numbers wise and efficiency wise it, it was fine and i think like that's kind of where to his strength comes in and and it was in that processing it was in the accuracy uh you know there were still some you know issues he had throwing uh, in the intermediate but i think it, if we're go like looking forward um in this mike mcdaniel offense like so much of that is going to be opened up like Tua led the league and in, in throws into a tight coverage and it was because like everything was in you know, tight enclosed spaces. Um, and he had to make those throws, but he was accurate there. You had one of the highest accuracy rates, um, and art on target rates uh, in the league. Um, he was able to throw downfield like when he did, although he had one of the lowest, uh, you know, rates of throws that went twenty or more yards. But like he can make those throws when they're available. And, and like you said, with with Jimmy G, like there, those types of throws are going to be open. Like he is able to manage that. And I think he has, has a little more um, uh, of the upside, like with some of those deep throws, because I think he can make them when they're on the table. And I think now with Hill and Waddle, like those are, they're going to be on the table there. So I think we are going to see like a a bit of a leap forward uh, in just what Tua has been able to do and what he's been asked to do, like over his first two years. 100%. 100%. I was almost going to just make try to make the case for Jalen Hurts for our argument's sake because I thought you'd pick Tua. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if, 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 if I'm like picking between one of these guys, if I'm going to choose one moving forward to pro- project they have the most NFL success, I'm still going to fall back on the player that has the best like passing background. Yeah. And I mean, I, 
I also think like Jalen Hurts is going to improve as yes. a passer, and I, I am not going to knock that at all. And I'm like kind of excited to see what the the Eagles offense is going to look like now with with Smith and, and Brown. And I think we kind of talked about it last week. Um, but yeah, so like I don't think you can you know, go wrong there. But I think just I think everyone kind of I think Jalen Hurts is properly rated. Like I think we kind of the way Hertz is discussed, like we know what he is, what he isn't. And, um, right. And, and like, we'll see, but w- with two, I think that the discussion has gone like a little too far, like the other way, like he's like a, a bottom five quarterback. And I, that's very clearly not the case either. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So let's, uh, let's move on to uh, running back. Uh, now we should have some differences. I'm sure the rest of the way out. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe we'll see. We did not talk about these before. We did. We did not. Uh, so, uh, so go ahead with your running back. Um. All right. I, I'm going with Tony Pollard. Uh, okay. For, for my most underrated running back. I mean, you look since he entered the NFL, he's 11th in EPA per rushing attempt. He's sixth in yards after contact per rush attempt. Uh, you look at what this Dallas offense and what they've been with Tony Pollard on the field. Uh, it was it was excellent. You look at last year; they averaged six point seven yards per play with Tony Pollard on the field, which would have led the NFL if he was a you know hypothetically played every snap for the Cowboys, which we know doesn't happen. Uh, compared to fu- a full yard per play when he's on the sideline, which would have been eleventh, still a good offense. Cowboys still a good offense without Tony Pollard, but took him to hyperdrive when he's on the field. Um, and then you look at just the kind of his versatility; he kind of is able to be a good runner. I laid out those rushing kind of efficiency metrics. He also has that like that Naheem Hines gene that and we, that was kind of unlocked last year for the first time. Uh, no running back was targeted at a higher rate per route run out of the slot or out wide uh, than Tony Pollard was last year at 39% of his routes run outside. We could see him get a little more juice in that department this season, given all the fluctuation that Dallas has had in their wide receiver room this offseason and still dealing with the Michael Gallup injury, which is going to definitely be multiple weeks into the season um, we've already heard some whispers he could play a little bit more in the slot we, that, that's something that happens all the time for running backs this time of year we'll see how true it is but he definitely has the, the pedigree of how they used him last year of being able to have that role extended uh, and then you look at you know I don't want to make this about Ezekiel either but I mean when Zeke was on the field last year the Cowboys were way worse offense than when they had Tony Pollard on, on the field uh, I don't make it an apples to apples thing but I mean you know you look at when when Zeke was on the field for them. Uh, you know, they they were just a, an average offense, you know, in terms of yards per play, uh, even when Zeke was at his best uh, at the start of the season. So, I mean, I'm, I like Tony Pollard here in his final year of his contract. You look at 5.6 yards per touch for his career. Uh, only he's topped out 169 touches. I think he can beat that again for the third straight year. And uh, if any Zeke misses any time, we already saw two years ago, a one game Zeke missed in Pollard's run here. He went for 132 yards and two touchdowns in a game Andy Dalton was starting. So there's an upside here still too for Tony Pollard if Zeke were to somehow miss time. Yeah, I think like it's been very clear what Tony Pollard just it, it always just looks like there's another gear for the Cowboys offense whenever he's on the field. Um and then I, I think when you look at some of the the, the differences that, that they had, um so last year, uh, 13.1% of Pollard's runs uh, went for 10 or more yards. That was 10.1 uh, for Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, he was also able to uh, avoid negative runs. 10% uh, of his rushes were negative. And for Ezekiel Elliott, that was uh, 14.3%. Uh, so he was a little more you know, elusive in the backfield. You know, Elliott kind of had that injury, but that's also you know part of the thing too, right? Uh, you know, when, when you're banged up, uh, there was no running back with a hundred or more carries last year who broke tackles less often than Ezekiel Elliott. Um, and, you know, Pollard doesn't necessarily always need to, to break tackles because he's, you know, a little more elusive in, in the open field. So, yeah, I, I mean, we're, we're hopping on the... And that's why I chose him for underrated because you had a season last year where Zeke was clearly hurt. He openly talked about being hurt and they still underused Tony Pollard. Yeah, I mean, like it, it feels like it's a, a a Pollard is is maybe properly rated uh, everywhere except for by the Dallas coaching staff uh, and and the people in charge of putting him on the field because uh, I think everyone else is is calling for for Tony Pollard to play more. Like I don't know like how many like people who are watching the Cowboys are going. You know what? That guy should probably stay on the bench. 
um so that mine is uh i, I thought we were going to go the same here but pollard uh, is good i'm just uh, going to go with a, a guy who's been very good and just kind of by what our our rules were of not making the pro bowl um and that's austin eckler yeah austin oh, eckler. did you make the pro bowl last year austin eckler has not made a pro bowl oh shit i blew that one then <laughs> I, I just assumed he made it last year. Yeah, that, absolutely. So uh, last year, the... Um, yeah, so like that's that's wow. one of the things, right? Yeah. Um, Pro Bowls are, are crazy. Um, and that's kind of like one of the things, one of the reasons like we want to talk about this, but also like, another reason of why, um, you know, you don't necessarily you know, should be using Pro Bowls as right. uh, why. Uh, so there, there were only two starting running backs uh, on the team uh, for, for Pro Bowls. And last year it was Jonathan Taylor and Nick Chubb. Um, so again, like... Wow, man. 1,500 yards and 20 tuds is it, is it enough to get you? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, like, that's one of the things. Um, Austin Eckler also, like, just going through, like, all of, uh, you know... It, in, in two of the past three years, he's had at least 1,500 yards from scrimmage. Um, and right. in the his other two seasons since uh, 2018, um, 958 and 933. So, like, he's in been right games. around. In 10 games. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, it was 14 games and three starts in, in 2018, 10 games in, in 2020. So, like, he's just been so consistent. He's one of the, you know, the all-around backs. He was one of the most efficient first down runners too like we're not going to say you should be running on on first down a, a lot but he he was one of the most efficient uh, running backs when he got carries on first down um so at a time when you know teams are, are playing the run a, a little bit he was you know very efficient there and then you add in uh his pass catching ability you add in like the, all, all oh, of those yeah. things he can do um He's like he's probably like if I was putting together like a top five running backs in the league right now like I'd and I think like we we did this because we were putting together the unit rankings for the uh, for the the preview book um, this year, and we each did it. And I might have had the Chargers like in the top three, like mostly because of Eckler. And I I honestly we did that so long ago, I I don't remember. But like the Chargers were in the top five, and mostly because of Austin Eckler, like being the guy who can carry the, like that workload, um, both running and and in the receiving game. And I think there's there's few. Uh, single players at running back right now who are um you know who can carry like that wide uh of of a workload um in in different aspects and you know still be really good and not completely appreciated for it so uh I mean, get yeah. Austin Eckler to the Pro Bowl 2023 <laughs> or 2022 it's 2022 I mean I totally blew that one I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, yeah I just I don't know why I didn't even double check that one I didn't even think it, I thought it was so so such so a lock that he made the Pro Bowl last year you but I mean, you look at last, so he has two seasons with eight or more receiving touchdowns in the last 30 years of football only one other running back has done that and it's Marshall Falk like that's, I mean yeah I mean it's an easy smash easy smash yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I mean, Austin Eckler is so good that they let a first round running back go to in favor of him, just like let him walk. Yeah, Jordan, a guy they traded up for, obviously. You know, this is like, yeah, it uh, it makes it like he's just he's just really good. Like he he turned in just um like such a such a good season um oh, last year like when he we like really got the, uh, yeah, the, the workload. solid but i mean come on <laughs> yeah i mean i would say like chubb is is probably like just in, in a vacuum uh like a better running back but yeah for like what Eckler did like he he should have you know should have made the Pro Bowl, um, and he didn't, so he qualifies for this list uh, yeah, and smash, because of that. Yeah, it. absolutely cool. underrated. Put so, it down. Yeah. So um, let's uh, let's move on to wide receiver. <laughs> uh, well, wide receiver, I did follow kind of your path with, with Eckler. I just, like I said, I just put space. I didn't even double-check Eckler, like the bigger Pro Bowl. <laughs> I just assumed he did. And uh, I don't see how you can't choose Terry McLaurin here. I, maybe you will go against Terry McLaurin. 
But I mean, I don't think the, the public really understands how good Terry McLaurin is, like as a football player. And we haven't really gotten a chance to see it. Maybe we still won't. Maybe this is like a DJ Moore thing where like even when we say Wentz is the best quarterback you played with, it's still just like a Sam Darnold situation last year. Um, but even last year, I mean, he was third most in yards of separation at all routes in the NFL. Uh, he was 13th among targets among wideouts, but he was first in uncatchable target rate among wide receivers. Um, this this guy, on Matt Harmon does like a, a great uh, amount of work at Reception Perception. I don't know if you guys check this out because, you know, maybe people say, oh, it's a fantasy guy. I'm check it out. But he, he's not. He's actually a film guy. He breaks these receivers down and he isolates the receiver from quarterback play and like offensive play. It's just strictly the wide receiver winning when he has to win. And Terry McLaurin looks almost identical to Justin Jefferson and like where he wins in success rate versus man versus zone versus press versus double teams. It's just this dude has played with vagabond quarterbacks so far at the NFL and no one has realized how good he was. Uh, so maybe we see a little bit more with Carson Wentz this year, although Carson Wentz is, we would still like more of an upgrade, but I mean, even last year, I mean, once the one area like that, those downfield targets like could stand to be an improvement runs is on target rate, uh, you know, on downfield throws was significantly higher than a guy like Taylor Heineke. I mean, 58.5% on target rate, it was seventh in the league among quarterbacks on pass, deep passes with 30 plus attempts. Uh, Heineke was at 41.2% on those, you know, downfield targets. Terry McLaurin had 33 of them last year. He only was able to catch 11 of them in terms of being, being catchable targets. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Terry McLaurin, I, I, I mean, maybe I'm cheating a little bit cause he probably won't be on this list long. Uh, cause he's probably going to get paid. He's going to get a huge contract. Uh, but I still think he's definitely the best player, uh, wide receiver that has not officially made a pro bowl. Um, Terry McLaurin is a star without much help was a article, uh, written for sharp football analysis on November 6th, 2020. Um, so, uh, if you, <laughs> and that is a, uh, it's something I wrote. So uh, if you want to know like how far back, you know, Terry McLaurin has been very good, like uh, instantly, like from his, his rookie year um, was great. Uh, and just like, yeah, right. It has not consistently been able to get it. And I like, think, I think that's like one of the things where like, when we talk about it, like we understand how good Terry McLaurin is. Um, but right. He's not getting like, especially when you, you know, like, know the, the top of, the um like the the nfl like especially like nfc wide receivers if we're looking mm-hmm. at at pro bowls um last year you made it mike evans justin jefferson debo samuel cd lamb right so like it, it he's not going to you know be that that kind of guy who gets that and especially like because and playing in washington and i, I want to let's get him out of washington let's just do it yeah like it the, if we all if we all pull together and tell him to hold out, um, he he doesn't need to be there. Um, so yeah, that that's a good pick. So I so we'll need to make a judgment call because I kind of asked you about this, but you didn't totally know where I was going. <laughs> um, so Tyler Lockett has technically made a Pro Bowl as a kick returner during his rookie season. He has never made a Pro Bowl as a wide receiver. And that's insane. I'll allow it for the sake of this show. Yeah. If we're going for like underrated and Tyler Lockett has not made a Pro Bowl as a wide receiver, that that's crazy to me. Um, Tyler Lockett is really good. And like, I want to get this out here now before he is catching passes from Drew Locke uh, in 2022. And like, we really don't talk about Tyler Lockett, like all that much or like any of the Seattle pass catchers really. Um, So to, to jump out uh, ahead of that, um, man, Tyler Lockett was so good. Like we, we talked about him during the season. I wrote about him during the season. He had like one of the most productive deep, Pass deep receiving seasons um, that like we've seen in a while last time, year, yeah. and that was like from Russell Wilson. That was also like included with um, uh, with uh, Geno Smith. Um, you know, he was just like he's, he's like automatic on some of those. Like I, I think like we've you know joked that like there was no better really like place for for DK Metcalf to go because he's just like this big giant man who can run fast down the sideline and that's exactly like what russell wilson needed but like lockett was exactly that too like there's no i don't think there's like any better player of like catching 
uh, a floated deep pass like over the shoulder. Um, like nothing, nothing worked in the Seattle offense last year. And but like two times a game, there was still just like some ridiculous over the shoulder catch like from from Tyler Lockett. Um, so the the fact that he has not uh, yet made a a Pro Bowl um, as a, a wide receiver while he's like been consistently great. Um, I just think like that is exactly what this exercise uh, is made for. So though he technically has been to a Pro Bowl, I we're going to uh, wax that a little bit because it's not actually at his position. No, I love it. Yeah, I actually looked him up and I saw he made one. So I didn't know you were going. I made the joke in the chat. I was like, oh, are you going to pick Nicole Hardman? <laughs> but, yeah, what if I just I'm, uh, <laughs> just bending the rules to make a, a real big case for Nicole Hardman? Yeah, Devin DuVernay. <laughs> yeah so the past, past i love two, it though yeah the past three years uh 1057 uh, receiving yards 1054 1175 he had almost 1200 receiving yards in the last year's seattle offense that's crazy. yeah he had a 12 for 142 game with gino i remember that against the jaguars yeah tower lock is good and that's yep. the, b- before before we stop talking about seattle for 2022 Tower Lockett's good. I mean, Gino's going to win that job unless they trade for Baker. Yeah, we don't have to do that right now. <laughs> all right, fair enough. Yeah, let's let's let's, let's not think about think about that at all. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, let's uh, let's move on. We're going to go with uh, offensive line here. All right, I'm scared because you've been picking really good players, and uh, this is where I'm going to start getting really weird. Uh, I'm going with uh, Michael and Wenyu of the Patriots. Um, okay. So let's see. I'm curious to see who you come up with. Probably another great player. Uh, but I look at it when you and you know this is the Brady corollary, right? Six round pick from Michigan Patriots. They know they know what lane to shop in. Uh, but you know, not only as a as a rookie two years ago, he not only did he start every game, but I mean he logged snaps. He played three different positions. He played 616 snaps at right tackle, 185 at right guard, 112 at left guard. Then this past season. This, he's even underrated by his own team. He only started eight games, but he played both left guard and right tackle. He was great at both. I mean, he played 276 snaps at right tackle. He allowed just four pressures and zero snacks on those snaps at right tackle. He also played 290 snaps at left guard. And at Pro Football Focus, he was the third highest graded guard at pro, there. Um, and then you look at his flexibility and what the Patriots have kind of built in this offensive line. He's kind of the, the piece that unlocks everything. Because they trade Shaq Mason, and it could be just because they want him to play right guard. They add Colin Strange. Uh, they also have Trent Brown. He could actually kick back and play left tackle if they wanted to do that because the flexibility of being able to play when you get right tackle. And they can kick Isaiah Wynn into left guard if they wanted, uh, who has been t- not terrible but hasn't really played well at left tackle so far in the NFL. Maybe him changing positions would be something that – um, improved him and they could play, you know, strange at right guard. He just gives the Patriots a lot of flexibility in what they could do in this offensive line and then insurance based on injuries to anybody. These guys he can play. So uh, in terms of, he's probably like the true first, like true gem underrated guy we've talked about in terms of like contract um, and not- notoriety. But uh, I think that he's a guy that this year now projected to be a full-time starter in some capacity at one of these positions is a guy that could be could be a pro bowler and be a guy that a lot of people are talking about uh, being a part of the success of the Patriots, you know, moving forward. Yeah, I, I think that that makes uh, a lot of sense. Uh, no notes. Um, <laughs> and I mean, that's yeah, it, that's the exact like type of guy is some of that like, when, when you have that, not just like I think we have like some guys that can be like a little underrated because they're, they're versatile but they're kind of like the the swing guy and they can play and like they're fine and passable but like he's been good um you know over the past two years so um yeah they said that patriots offensive line is just going to be very interesting because like you said there's so many different ways it could go um and getting getting rid of mason like that, I, I mean, just in, in the grand scheme of things, I don't I don't know what the Patriots are doing, but uh, but yeah, I think like he's he's going to be a, a big part of that. So um, I went a, a little bit on on the older side here. Uh, and I'm going to go with uh, Kevin Zeitler. Oh, nice. Yeah. So uh, Zeitler has been around four, um, five, ever. Yeah. 
uh, for uh, ten, 10 years, uh, 10 year vet. He was 31 in 2021. Um, and he's been like real good in, in all of them. And like, I think kind of getting better with age, uh, for a little bit. So, um, he came in, he was like really the only good player on the giants offensive line, uh, when he was, uh, brought over, uh, of course they that had to trade him because they decided to trade the one good offensive lineman they had. Um, and he went to Baltimore and was like immediately good uh, with Baltimore and was like the most consistent piece uh, of that offensive line. He was um, one of two guards along with Trey Smith um, to be in the top 10 of pass block win rate and run block win rate last year. Um, so he's just, he's been solid. Uh, you know, he's you know never been like the top guard. Like we're not going to talk about him like a, you know, a Wyatt Taylor or a Joe Petonio or something, but like, he's just, he's never been bad also, which like is, is a, what you want at, at guard too. So for that uh, extended period of time uh, to, you know, jump from, from team to team, especially over the last the couple of years, like he was, you know, the, the real solid piece of the Giants, uh, then coming over uh, for Baltimore last year uh, and immediately, you know, being good in, in that line that kind of needed some help there, especially in the interior. Um, yeah, and Kevin Zutler. I like it. It's been good everywhere he's gone. Just uh, one of those guys that's reliable. I mean, last year I remember writing up the Ravens offensive line for the team needs heading into the draft, and he was literally the only like bright spot that they had on the offensive line last year. <laughs> Yeah, there there was a, a lot of stuff that that went wrong uh, with that offensive line, but uh, he was uh, sitting there solid. Uh, now you're gonna you know uh, put him next to Tyler Linderbaum, and I think like that's gonna help him out. Um, so, uh, fun things for uh, for the Ravens this year, I think. I dig it. I dig it. You're pre- you're schooling me in this uh, you, the the non Pro Bowl thing here. Just like this is, is a great the, pick. these very like random players. This is where I thrive. I think. <laughs> Uh, and and we're, we're we're still getting there. Uh, once we now uh, head over to the the defensive side. So uh, who do you have at uh, defensive line? Defensive line, I kind of struggled to narrow it down because I was down to two guys, and one hasn't really played a full season yet in the NFL, and one kind of has one just good season. Uh, I'm going the young route again, and and this is a first round draft pick too, so I don't want to treat him as underrated, but. A lot of the guys I really wanted to pick had made Pro Bowl, so I'm curious to see who you come up with. I'm going with Rashawn Gary. Uh, I, I hate having to reward him just for one season, but the season was so good last year that I am going to reward him with it, especially after they lost to Darius yeah. Smith. I mean, he was third in you know, pass rush runway among edge defenders in 2020. Only Miles Garrett and P.J. Watt were better than he was. He was fifth in pressures, third in hurries. And it's not just where the hurries came and the amount he had. The big kicker is showing up in the money spots, right? Like since he's entered the league and I know it's, you know, the, the three-year sample is, is definitely elevated by the one year, but he's seventh in pressure rate on third downs since he entered the league. And then you go back to the playoff game against the 49ers, the game that the probably the Packers should have won. Uh, he was an absolute, just, he was a wrecking ball in that game. I mean, he had two sacks, he had six pressures, four stops. I mean, he was absolutely destroying the 49ers in that game. Um, and the Packers should feel really good moving forward that, you know, after the player that they thought they might have for two years, like this is the upside that he presents. Like I said, I feel kind of shaky rewarding a first round pick, uh, but that's kind of the direction I went. I was, I, the other guy I was looking at was Marcus Davenport was the other guy. Um, so he just hasn't played a full season yet. And, you know, but he, and he got his fifth year option picked up too, which I kind of factored in a little bit, uh, in getting paid. So I didn't go with him, but those are kind of the two guys I was down to. I'm curious to see you got. Yeah, it's it's interesting there because those are you know two guys who you know oh slightly differing um, results so far, but two guys that you really like bet on athleticism uh, if you're going yep uh, high for for an edge rusher because um, you know uh, Davenport comes from a, a small school um, you know Rashawn Gary was not the greatest college pass rusher right there was not a lot of of production there but he was you know, just insanely athletic um the rookie year it was not like I said was not like all that great but really developed into like um he's going he's going to be real good um like you said so yeah that's just um it's that's a good projection there because i i would not be surprised if uh, he's a you know one of those you know borderline like just pro bowlers um kind of every year from year on out especially from from what we saw last year so i uh once again went uh, a little bit uh, of the older uh route here um now i'm going to go with uh marcus golden 
I looked at him. I almost went with Marcus Golden too. I looked at him. Um, so Marcus Golden now is going to be, uh, he's 31. I just turned 31. He has, he was real good, uh, in Arizona. Like he's had some like real big flash seasons. Like in 2016, I had a 12 and a half sack season, um, with 22 quarterback hits. Um, then his, his first season with the Giants, uh, when the Giants really had nothing, it's 27 quarterback hits, 10 sacks. Um, and then he had, uh, and then the, the next season, because uh, he only signed for a very cheap one-year deal, uh, but then he had that the weird uh, unrestricted free agent tender um, where uh, the Giants were able to keep him, but then uh, they didn't really play him a lot, and then they sent him back to Arizona. And as soon as he went to Arizona, um, he was like one of the best pass rushers in the league um, in, in 2020. Uh, he was like fourth in pressure rate from the time he was traded. Uh, he finished the year with 22 uh, quarterback hits uh, again. So um, when you go to uh, last year too, I had 19 quarterback hits and 11 sacks. And he's this guy, like he's not going to be in the the flashy way that it's, you know, it's super quick wins and so some of his you know sacks have been like late in the down but he's still just this guy who's you know he's good against the run um he's it continues to to give effort like a play after play and he's just a a guy who's just like the production is just always there Mm -hmm. um and he's basically going to be arizona's you know number one uh, edge rusher this year without chandler jones uh and he's been able to play without chandler jones before um you know being across from him has helped him uh in parts of his career but he has carried like a um uh a pass rush before um and he's just this guy he's just you know consistently really good and it's just consistently just underrated in, in terms of pay too um he's, he's yeah. on a, a two-year deal and like for, for like six million dollars with arizona after um the 2020 season and uh after that came up so like he's he's a guy that should be especially the money we're, we're seeing for like some you know mid-tier pass rushers like this is a guy who just you know continually is able to get to the quarterback um you know depending on like what situation and like he just like has not been valued that way um but he's someone who's going to you know continue to do it and uh excited to see like 2022 could be a pretty big season for him again love it all right move on to linebacker uh my linebacker is the only guy i have that's gotten a second contract in the nfl i like the contrast we have going on right now uh (laughs) You know, um, but but his salary is still far too low. So I still didn't. I still counted him as being kind of like you know they're undervalued, underrated. He's 18th in average salary among linebackers. It's uh, Jerome Baker from the Dolphins. Okay, um, all right. I so yeah. I was going to go with him and I pivoted, but uh, yeah, that's a good pick. Go ahead. Yeah, so I mean, the past two seasons, he's fifth in the NFL in pressure rate per pass rush snap. Uh, he's also eighth in pressure rate on third and fourth downs, uh, and this is including defensive linemen. Uh, he was he's this is the over the past two years. He's seventh in defense EPA per opponent dropback when he's on the field. He's tenth in tackles on passing plays. He's solid in coverage. He's not like a guy that's he's not Brian Urlacher by any means. Uh, but you know he was 18th among 90 qualifying you know linebackers in pass coverage grade at Pro Football Focus. If you look at like some of the metrics, like a, you know yards allowed per like snap and stuff, he was more like uh, middle of the road, but like not bad either. Uh, because what I like about him is the versatility. Like he can play in the passing game. And he can rush the passer. I mean, last year he played 410 snaps on the D-line. He played four, another 498 snaps in the box at linebacker. He played 48 snaps at slot corner. Uh, and if you look at his career, too, he's even logged some free safety snaps over his career as well. So considering the, what the Dolphins do or, or they have done to this point in his career, because, you know, it could change moving forward, where they've just been one of the most, like, dime-heavy defenses, uh, they've called on him to do a lot of things. And he's kind of been, like, the one con- consistent guy uh, – that, that has allowed them to do a lot of those things. So that's the direction I went. Yeah, I, I agree with with all of that. Um, yeah, like oh, that that last point was kind of like a, a big thing because like they they are so defensive back heavy. So he is kind of has been the the consistent piece there. Um, he's been you know uh, up and down in coverage. Like he was like you said, he was mm-hmm. mostly fine um, uh, this past year. But like he's had. Uh, flashes of, of being good too um and like you say in in that defense you have to you know, be able to do a, a lot of different things and you know it's not going to be brian flores calling the plays uh, this year or really structuring it but uh josh boyer who is, 
was the, on the staff and was technically the defensive coordinator, still the defensive coordinator this year. Uh, so for mine, we're we're going to actually stay in, in the same defense. Um, oh, nice. I'm going, I'm going with Andrew Van Ginkle, um, who is kind of you know oh, the, this is a Dan pick all the way, very much, yeah. <laughs> um, so so he's kind of in in the same way, but plays a, a little more downhill, right? He's the kind of he's okay in coverage, but he's not really asked to do it that much. He's basically a blitzing linebacker, um, but he's been really good when uh, he has had to do that. So last year he was um, 18th. Um, yeah, tied for 18th uh, with 20 quarterback hits. Um, you know, he only had four sacks, but like he's he's getting to uh, the quarterback. Yeah, he's getting, um, you know, a 10.1% pressure rate within two and a half seconds. Uh, so like that certainly is helped because he is blitzing it in the way he's rushing the passer. Um, but he's just kind of like he's a, an off-ball linebacker who, you know, can be uh, a pass rusher. Uh, and that's been really good, especially like with, like you said, some of those fronts from, from Miami when you, you don't know who is rushing. Um, so he can, you know, be on the defensive line and, and rush the quarterback effectively, right? There's plenty of guys you could blitz in that situation uh, where they're not actually going to get to the quarterback, but he has been able to do that. Um, he's, you know, probably not the greatest run defender, but again, like, if we're, we're ranking what I'm caring about uh, at that position and the role he plays specifically, like I'm, I don't really mind. Um, so he's, you know, passable enough in coverage. And especially when you're so defensive back heavy there, um, you know, that that's going to help. So um, yeah, Andrew Van Ginkle is probably like a high sack season is probably, you know, in the cards um, soon. I, I would think because uh, he's just able to get to the, the quarterback a lot. Um, and when he is rushing and I just think like so much of what Miami does, um, you know, he five and a half sacks in, in 2020 um, when he had 10 quarterback hits uh, and then like he doubled the uh, number of quarterback hits. So I think he's, he's going to be on, on the field a little more, um, you know, Miami doesn't, they have more traditional pass rushers now, but like they just, they create pressure in so many creative ways. Uh, and I think he's, he's just kind of one of those guys, like, uh, you know, not, not quite Mika Parsons, but like it, it's the same type of role, right. Where it's a linebacker who can, you know, line up on the edge and win. And so I, I just kind of think uh, guys, so Baker and Van Ginkle, the two guys like just it, it buried in that second level of the, of the Miami defense that, that don't really get talked about that often. I, I just heard you compare him to Micah Parsons, so I mean that's listen, smash it. <laughs> yep, that's that 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 should be our takeaway uh, from <laughs> no, the podcast. Just uh, so, yeah, let's bring right. it home. Here we go. Uh, defensive back, our last one. Uh, DB. I thought this was the most like there was a lot of options at D- DB. I don't know if you felt that way. Uh, but I was near, I had like four or five names immediately for this one. But uh, I had a, I was down to a pair of teammates too. But one of the teammates just got paid this offseason and is now a top 10 cornerback in terms of average salary. So I kind of used that as like a tiebreaker. I'm going to Jamel Dean uh, from yes, the Bucks. Okay. Yeah. Uh, since he entered the league, and this, and I chose him for over a couple other guys that maybe have like a, have like one year sample because Dean's been good all three years he's been in the NFL. Since yes. he entered the NFL, he's sixth among all defensive backs uh in epa per drop back when on the field in 2021 he was eighth in quarterback rating allowed in coverage uh in terms of coverage grade he's been 18th 10th and 11th among all cornerbacks uh since he entered the nfl he's 15th among all defensive backs in pass deflections and pass breakups the one thing that he kind of lacks is he hasn't turned them into turnovers so he doesn't stand out that much just the five interceptions the past three years but uh, he's been he's been stellar in coverage, and now that Carlton Davis got paid, it probably means he won't get paid in Tampa Bay uh, when his contract is up after this season. But uh, he's been really excellent all three years he's been in the NFL. Yeah, so um, I'm I'm fully on board with this. I was a big fan of, of Dean coming out of of college. Uh, he I think kind of fell to um, you know the end of day two because he had some knee injuries uh Mm -hmm. but he was able to test and like was crazy athletic like was was the tester uh i think like of that draft class especially at corner and he's been able to translate that athleticism into uh coverage uh, ability so i am uh big uh agree here when you look at um you know look at uh 
the adjusted yards allowed per coverage snap, which I've talked about here, but it's just, you know, yards allowed per coverage snap. I used the pro football reference formula uh, of, you know, accounting for touchdowns and interceptions. He was 13th uh, among corners last year. Uh, and that's really good. Like he was, he was better than Carlton Davis. Um, and I like, I don't think that's, uh, you know, crazy to say, uh, but Dean was, you know, better uh, on a per snap basis uh, than Carlton Davis last year. And I think uh, they carried a, a little more too uh, when uh, throughout, you know, the past, you know, couple of years, like you said, like he's been good, like this entire time. Um, so I, I personally think he's a better player than Carlton Davis. Like if I was picking that, how to, start a defense like i would take dean over davis i'm probably in a very small minority there um of people who would do that but yeah i like jamal dean uh a lot so i um i'm with you here uh so if you've listened to this uh podcast at all um you know but uh, aj terrell is is the answer here um he didn't make the pro Bowl last year either. No, that's oh, the whole point. I, I, these are, yeah, man. I didn't, look, I didn't double. I didn't. I must have just spaced on who made the pro Bowl last year. I just, I, he's another guy I just didn't even check because I just assumed he made it. <laughs> I I had to spend at least ten minutes when the pro Bowl last year came out. Uh, that's podcast. right. You know what? I should I should know through you that he didn't make it. So, he, <laughs> so here's one of like the pro Bowl voting is bad. Uh, all pro voting also bad because you only vote for like first team um but the aj terrell made the second team all pro uh because he got eight votes um and so there were enough people who thought that aj terrell should have been one of the two corners on the all pro team on the all pro team uh but he did not make the pro bowl um which again is is ridiculous on just all accounts. Uh, but AJ Terrell was so good um, last year. And uh, I like, I think he's, he's getting talked up enough by like the, the very nerdy people on, uh, on football Twitter who like, who are talking about this, but like, I still don't know if like we fully appreciate like how good he was on, on the Falcons defense. That was just absolutely awful. Um so like he, he didn't play a lot of man coverage and he stayed to one side, but like he stopped offenses from throwing to that side. Like that that's a sign of, of a good quarterback. Uh, when you look at adjusted yards allowed per coverage snap, he was a third last year. And like the and the tops of like guys who played really on the outside um, because there, there are two slot corners uh, on top of them. And, and that's usually like you're getting lower yards allowed per coverage snap, usually when you're playing in the slot uh, more often. Um, so he was, he was just so good last year. Like he, he's long. He still like has that ability to, to shut down some guys. Like I, I I'm really excited to see what is going to happen this year when like that cornerback group in Atlanta, like is not bad. Um, no, no. The, the I looked at Casey of- Hayward too. I, I was like, did he get snapped? He only he's made two, but it's like he's been super underrated his whole career too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I just think like uh, Terrell just like has the ability. Like he he's going to be a, a star corner, um, I think, and like it's just going to you know continue to uh, get better for him on top of um, you know, really what the Atlanta was able to do last year. Um, you know they probably are not going to have much of a pass rush. So it's really going to come down to uh, that, that secondary. And like, he he could have been someone the defense uh, offense has picked on a a whole lot, but uh, that wasn't the case last year because he was just just really good. Uh, And so uh, until he makes a pro bowl, we are going to continue talking about uh, how good he was. And the NFL feels like it has like a, a shortage of these like uh, like shutdown corners, right? Like we we always had like one of these at least one of these guys to like each era of football, and it feels like this is the first one I don't like remember like or, I don't I don't really like, see like one of those guys right now, and he's the closest thing we got I think to it. Yeah, and like I mean, we we still have like the the Ramses uh, of the world, and like they're still really good, but like with with young guys, like we were you know. We talk about, I think like there are some like really good young corners. And uh, when we had our, our under 25 draft, uh, talked about it with, with Ryan, um, you know, yeah, he was big on uh, Patrick Sertan and uh, we kind of talked about Santa Samuel and the JC Horn who only played eight games, but was like really, really good uh, in those or, or three mm-hmm. games really. Um, sorry. Uh, but it was like really good in that very like 
short sample. So I think we like have some good corners coming up and we could uh, be seeing some, some guys who are, are playing uh, a little better. And we just had, you know, two guys go in, in the top five, you know, with, with Stingley and uh, uh, sauce Gardner. So um, I think fun young corners coming, but uh, but AJ Terrell was, was my, my top pick there and he's going to be here. And I, I think he's, he's still the best of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those are smashes. Eckler and him are smashes. I can, I concede. If we're grading us both, I concede to you dominating this. No, I think like we we came up with with good guys. Like these are these are guys we we don't get to talk about. You know. Yeah, I looked at Jalen Johnson. Jalen Johnson was in the running for me. Uh, Amani Oruware was kind of there, but he he's yeah. also one, one year kind of yeah. that was really good. And I, you know, that's why I went with Dean. But uh, yeah, there's there's some good options out there for DBs. Yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely, and uh, it just, you know, this is a, a pro AJ Terrell podcast, and that any anytime he's going to be the answer to a question, it, we're not uh, we're not missing that opportunity. That's right. So uh, I think uh, you know, the good good list here. I, I would I would say so. We um, so I try to find out where I was just typing this. Um, so uh, quarterback, we both went with. Uh, Tua, with Tua, uh, running back. We had I had Austin Eckler, and you. Oh, these did not pop up for me. So I you had Eckler, uh, I had Pollard. Egregious mistake on mine. <laughs> um, wide receiver Terry McLaurin, Terry McLaurin Tyler Lockett. Um, where do we go next? No, these did not. Z- pop Kevin Zietler, Michael, and Wenya. Uh, defensive lines, uh, there we go. Rashawn Gary and Marcus Golden, uh, linebacker Andrew Van Ginkle and Jerome Baker, uh, and defensive back. We went with AJ Terrell and Jamel and, Dean. Uh, and Jamel Dean. I uh, just, yeah, good guys. This is fun. Um, yeah, yeah, just guys, guys we're not, uh, guys we don't get to talk about uh, that often, and so. Go. I think the the next time uh, we will be coming is uh, not quite uh, July yet, but uh, it's it's getting close. Uh, the book uh, is uh, in process, uh, available to pre-order. Uh, if you go to sharpfootballanalysis.com, you will be able to uh, do that. Uh, you will be able to find a, a lot of stuff from from Rich uh, in that book. You can find some more content from Rich on the website. Um, and, and there we go. So we'll uh, we'll end the show here. We will uh, be back. In, next week find rich on twitter at lord reeves find me on twitter at sam Zuda. thank you guys for listening and we will talk to you again soon